0: If you had One shot one opportunity sees everything you ever wanted One moment That you captured Just let it slip Yo His palms are sweaty Knees weak, arms are heavy There's vomit on his sweater already Mom's spaghetti He's nervous But on the surface He looks calm and ready To drop palms but he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down The whole crowd goes so loud He opens his mouth But the words won't come out He's choking how Everybody's choking now The clock's run out Time's up, over, plow Snap back to reality Oh, there goes gravity Oh, there goes gravity
1: he All fine. right, he greetings he and happy Tuesday. This is The Desiree Show on Dash Radio. First downs and flip tricks, and it is the first week in August, and it's a hot one. It continues to be hot here in Southern California. It's really hot. The water, even in San Diego, is 80 degrees, which is unbelievable. There's fire all over California, sadly. Um, uh, so, prayers, uh, just uh, wanted to sh- start the show off with a little prayers out to all the first responders and anyone impacted by all these fires. Um, I am so over the heat, uh, but I'm not going to keep talking about that because uh, I can get stuck into uh, into some excuses. Everyone's dealing with it, um, but I'm really, really welcoming winter. Um, I'm super excited, though. Today, I've got an amazing woman. She is uh, she's she's the full package, uh, essentially. She is bright, she's beautiful, and she's a phenomenal athlete, and she's a go-getter. Um, I'm super excited to welcome a Trojan uh, professional skateboarder, the founder of exposure skate. She is also a director um, with countless uh, nominations as well for a, a documentary she did um, back in 2013. Um, she is of Polish descent. Um, she's uh, she's just amazing. So uh, without further ado, I was going to go into like Park Series and all the results and everything. Um, you know, and obviously congratulations to everyone that was involved this week, last weekend for the U.S. Open for Vans. Uh, training camp is starting, obviously. It's full full-force uh, first games of the season starting off Thursday um, with the Rams at Baltimore. Um, but without further ado, I just really, really would love to welcome, uh, like I said, an amazing Dynamo, Amelia Brodka. Beck.
2: Hello. <laughs> that was a very sweet intro. I really appreciate you. Thanks for having me on your show.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you you, you fascinate me. That's why I've been wanting to come on. Um, there's so many tears to you, and you have such a drive. Um, but you also have this gentleness and this uh, this warmth that you bring to everything. And uh, it's just, I, I wanted people, I wanted to get to know you better, and I want people to also get to know you better.
2: Well, thank you so much. You are very sweet, and I am happy to be on your show. And it sounds like you do great things here, so I'm stoked to be a part of it.
1: Right on. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, okay, so you, you know, and thank you once again as well. You know, you, Amelia came straight from a commercial shoot, um, this is the kind of professional she is. Is she did not she had a a shoot that came up and she worked it out so that she could also get to the show. Uh, in addition, and I, I really commend you on that. I appreciate that. You know,
2: I mean, I like to value my commitments. There's a lot of, uh, I guess, flakiness in this industry, and I don't want to contribute to that. So,
1: well, and I think that's also maybe a test to your success as well in the industry.
2: Uh, doing things that you commit to. (laughs) Being of your word, you know, I think for
1: anything is good, you know, and it is, it's a rarity these days, so it's, it's always refreshing.
2: Well, thank you. I'm happy that it worked out and I was able to make it, and I'm uh, stoked to be here. Yeah.
1: Okay, so I'm going to go through a few of the lists. Pro skateboarder since 2007. USC Trojans. She has a BA in communications and narrative studies. She came out with her uh, underexposed documentary, she's a documentary filmmaker, um, That this thing was nominated for multiple things. Um, I think Thin Line Film Festival's selection, official selection, um, USC uh, Web Fest in 2012. I mean, multiple things in 2013. Even in 2015, you were nominated for the Artemis Women in Action Film Festival. Founder and event coordinator for Exposure. You're also on the board of Tony Hawk's Foundation. Or you are on the advisory board. You're on the advisory board, um, and you're newly married. Um, so I don't know where to start. I think we should start from the beginning. So you're of Polish descent. You grew up in um, Nowa Zarn- Zarnina. Uh, That's close. Nowa Sarzyna. Nowa
2: Uh Yeah, I grew up there. It's a small town, lived in a communist-style housing complex, and um, have a lot of fond memories of just playing in the sandbox and hiking in the woods and... Picking mushrooms and things like that. And um, my father actually won a visa lottery uh-huh. uh, he, that he entered as a joke with his friends. And so when he realized that he won a visa to come visit the US, he was like, oh my God, well, I have to go now. And um, so he went, and everything that he saw just really inspired him. And he applied for my mom to come and, and see too. He was mostly on the East Coast, New Jersey, all the way down to Florida. And then my mom just tells a story of, like, when they went to Disney, like, they were heartbroken because all she could think about was this kind of really sketchy carnival that comes to town, to Nova Soshana every summer. Uh-huh. And she just goes, that is not a real carnival. After I've seen this, I want my kids to really, to experience something like this. And um, I didn't, I didn't know any of this at the time. I was pretty young, but my, my father ended up staying in the States and, just working out in uh, New Jersey to to send us money from the States um, and help support us in that way. But one day my mom just told me, oh, we're going to go visit your father in America. And in my head, I pictured, like, frolicking through the jungle, like, going by the river with the alligators and having this parrot that lived on my shoulder. <laughs> like, that was what living in America meant to me, apparently. And uh, so when we got off the plane in New Jersey and i just see these like really huge highways and like these smokestacks, I was very confused. I was like, this is not, this is not what I imagined. Um, and uh, it, was a, it was kind of a strange summer because both of my parents were working and um, we didn't speak English so there wasn't much that we could do. We kind of like hung out at the house while they were working. And so one day I was like, okay, Mom, like, this was cool and all, but when are we going home? And she goes, well, we thought you would try school here. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't even speak English. Are you serious? So it was, it was an interesting uh, transition, but, I mean, obviously I'm super grateful to, to be out here. And, um, like, my whole generation in Poland, they basically left the country um, to look for jobs elsewhere. So um, it's amazing. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad it worked out.
1: Yeah, no, amazing. And how old were you when you when this when the family moved? I was about eight. Okay, and then skateboarding. You kind of uh, I read that
2: you've also you kind of hopped on your brother's skateboard at that time. Um, yeah, yeah. I actually remember when my brother got a skateboard. Um, I was maybe nine or ten by that age by that time, and he got like this goosebumps board, but he didn't let me use it because I didn't do it right. Like I would take I would steal it from him, and I would like ride around on my knee and like I just have these vivid memories of, you know, when you're riding on your knee, like the sidewalk is so close to you, but I just remember like the wind in my face and just loving that feeling. And so he would get mad when he realized I used it and he'd like take it and go off and whatever and hide it. <laughs> yeah. But then like every time I saw it unattended, I would steal I would steal it, and I would just do that. And then one day, um, we're pulling out of the parking lot in this park we were in. And I just hear this crack and the skateboard was under the car and my dad had run it over and he was just basically like, well, Mike, you couldn't take care of your things. So you're not getting a new skateboard. You know, we were like an immigrant family. So it was amazing that he was able to get him one in the first place. And I just remember like my brother sitting in the room with both halves of a skateboard and he was like crying and I'm just like, what are you crying about? Like, come on, suck it up. And he never got another skateboard, and it was like four years until I saw another skateboard again. And, then, and it was just as simple as seeing a friend of mine ride it down the street, and I just like did a double take, and I'm like, wait, oh, you can do that? You know how to ride skateboards? I was like, I remember when my brother wouldn't let me use his, can you please teach me? And he would just teach me how to just ride down his driveway, and that's kind of how it started. That's pretty cool.
1: What Do you remember what this board... I mean, you said the Goosebump was your
2: brother's, but what was this other, the second board? I don't remember what my friend's board looked like, but it was definitely one of those, like, Walmart, like, plastic trucks kind of boards. Mm-hmm. And uh, after he taught me how to um, ride down the driveway, I wanted one of my own, and I got, like, this Pokemon one. Also had, like, these black plastic trucks. And, like, at the time... The Tony Hawk games were out, and the same friends that taught me how to ride down the driveway uh, would show me the game, and we would watch, like, the intro videos, and I'm like, well, how are they doing that? And my friend just, like, looks at me, and he's like, well, they use suction cups. And oh. I'm like, wow, really? And then I'm like, wait, but how does that Bucky guy, like, flip his board around and put it back on his feet? Like, I don't see any suction cups. And he's like, no, 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 they, like, just detach when he has to do those tricks. Um. And, like, that was really, that was just really what I thought. And uh, it wasn't until I was um, in Asbury Park, which is, like, a beach town in New Jersey. Um, I went into, like, this surf shop. And we, me and another friend of mine, we see this video. And it's Tony Hawk's trick tips. And we're like, oh, my God. We can actually learn how to do those tricks? And it would just mesmerize me. And we got the video. And I watched it like all the time religiously and just learning how to ollie was like the the strangest concept to me but I was like so determined I was like I am gonna learn how to do this and my parents had like a carpeted basement so I spent so many hours in that basement just making a ton of noise and I'm, I'm just grateful my parents let me do so but yeah, yeah that's kind of that was kind of the beginning. That's pretty rad. You, you know, you mentioned Ashbury Park as well. I was out there in '98
1: for the Vans warp Tour. Oh, cool! Um, and actually, not for the warp Tour. For it was a B3 event. Actually, a qualifier. Vans used to have the qualifying like that for X Games, and um, yeah, it was a. Uh, it was pretty rad, and then the warp Tour came into town. But that Ashbury Park was really fun. I have a lot of fond memories from that crazy. It's a crazy little town for sure. Yeah,
2: it was super it weird. It was like a
1: perfect for a movie set. I always thought, and then they actually came out with a movie a few years later. I think um, <laughs> with some pretty high profile people. But I was like, oh, oh this yeah, because is that all the abandoned um, uh, Ferris wheel and all mm-hmm. the abandoned you know park and. So. That, was,
2: that was actually where I went to my first skate park, too. I didn't even, Asbury Park? Yeah. Uh, I didn't even yeah. know it existed. The casino bowl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fun to skate. I didn't know what I was doing, and I was so scared of heights and inclines and speed and rolling that I just, like, kind of felt it out on rollerblades. Um, but I think – I don't even know if I brought my skateboard that time. But it was kind of a surprise that we even went. Like, I think we were just – having a beach day with a family and uh-huh. I just happened to have rollerblades with me. So I mean, I can't imagine what I must have been like. I was probably just in everyone's way not knowing what I was doing.
1: No, it's cool <laughs> you were trying and it was, what's odd is that it's to hear you you know saying you know anything with any transition and, and heights and and actually your career really uh, park invert. I mean uh, you know skating transition um, and airs and you know utilizing um, an entire bowl. Uh, or a vert ramp, you know, is where your career kind of has taken you.
2: It's kind of crazy because I was, like, so afraid of heights. Like, I would cry on roller coasters. And then, like, I, um, I went to the X Games one year when they had them in Philly. And I remember kind of just walking around the arena with my friend. And all of a sudden we, like, stumbled on this women's vert demo. And we see, like, Lindsay Adams and Kara Beth. And then when the um, announcer said that Lindsay was 12 and both my friend and I were 12, we, like, looked at each other and we're like, oh, my gosh, that girl, she's doing those huge airs on that giant ramp. It's like, we got to do that. And this was probably shortly after I'd gotten that Trick Tips video. But ever since then, I was totally obsessed with vert. We didn't have a vert ramp anywhere, but, like, that's all I, like, dreamed about doing. And then eventually when they're – I did find a vert ramp years later, or maybe like a year or so later, at this um, place called Rexplex that they built in Elizabeth in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I would just, like, watch the vert skaters. And uh, actually, Rich and Sanford Lopez used to live out there, and Elliot Sloan. Mm -hmm. um, And I would just watch those guys. And then as I got better at, like, just pumping and, like, skating – I would go to the top and just stare at it, but I was so scared I couldn't even be on the edge of it. But like I had this crazy desire that's that's what I wanted to do. So it was like this strange concept of being scared out of my mind, but like so drawn to it. So yeah, it's kind of weird that <laughs> my life ended up taking me into Verton Park skating. But yeah, I love it. Yeah, no, it's cool. And I was actually there. I was
1: I was there uh, covering um x games in philly oh cool yeah with Cara- Carabeth on. and jen and jody uh jen all kind of rallied wanted me out there to shoot photos of them that's um and aaron was judging and so we skated fdr and we oh, you know sick. and so but uh yeah i was when i was reading that i was like oh that's kind of cool she was out there for that you know as well um and, and Lindsay, i've known since before she dropped in so i remember her at the y She kind of, for like, it was like a month or a few weeks, I I can't, you know, because we skated the Y all the time, and she would get up there, and we're like, you got it. You got it. You got it, Lindsay. And she, you know, she'd pull back, and then she finally did. And it's just kind of cool once that happens. What was the first time dropping in for you like?
2: I broke my ankle. Oh, snap. (laughs) And you kept going. (gasps) See, that's a test of the personality you are. (laughs) Dude, I just like, because... I remember my first day doing it. There was a huge vert session and like these guys have seen me coming up to the ramp like for probably months at this point. And I would just stand there and get so scared. And then they were like just they were really cheering me on and they were being really helpful. And uh I I tried it and uh and I I kind of did it, but I got really wobbly. And then one of the guys was like, "Amelia, that was good, but when you do it, remember, like, bend your knees. Like, you won't get as wobbly. And I drop in, and I leaned back. That's how my brain thought you should bend your knees at the time, apparently. And I lean back all my weight on my back ankle, and it just folds. And I hear someone in the crowd, and there were bleachers by the ramps. so whenever there was a big session, there'd be, like, a crowd. I hear someone in the crowd go, she broke her ankle. And in my head, I'm like, No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I, like, pick up my board. I, like, limp to the side of the ramp, and I just sit down, and I'm, like, watching the session and wondering, like, what should I do right now? I'm, like, my ankle doesn't feel great. I don't think I can walk. And then I'm, like, okay, you should find one of those emergency medical people that walk around the building. Because it was this huge building. It had, like, an arcade, like, roller hockey, whatever. And so I'm, like, I get up, and I'm, like, limping around. I was 14 at the time. And I, like, see the EMT guy. And I'm like, excuse me, there's something wrong with my ankle. And I remember he takes me into this side room, and my ankle's, like, twisted. Like, it's not even, like, in the right place. I don't even know how I walked to find him. (laughs) And um, he realized, like, I was in pretty bad shape. But he just, like, told me really funny stories. Because at the time, like, you didn't have cell phones. So he can reach my parents because they weren't home. So he would just like leave a message, and we would wait for them to call back. And so I waited there for hours for my parents to, you know, to a get a call and the b be able to come over. It was probably half an hour drive from my house, and I remember my parents picked me up, and they were furious because we didn't have.
1: So uh, Amelia was just sharing about us, um, about her first drop in, and this broken ankle, and telling her parents who are furious because they had no health insurance. And I'll let her pick this up now for us.
2: And so after hours of waiting for my parents and this uh, nice EMT guy keeping me laughing somehow, and um, my parents get in the car, and they just look at me, and they go, you're never skateboarding again. (laughs) And I start crying. Like, I didn't, you know what I mean? My ankle was in intense agony, but I hadn't shed a tear up until the moment. Well, my parents told me I wasn't never skateboarding again, and I was just sobbing. And um, I had to get surgery. Like, it was kind of intense, but I don't remember even being hurt for very long. I mean, I was a kid. You heal pretty fast. Did you go
1: straight to the hospital?
2: I mean, they took you uh, straight to the
1: hospital, I'm assuming? I don't know. I don't Are remember. They, they
2: were mad. <laughs> no, we'll take her tomorrow. No, I. I don't think I went straight to the hospital. I think, I don't know because I remember having, like, a little stuffed animal when I was going into surgery, and I don't think I brought that stuffed animal to the skate park, so (laughs) somewhere in there. it probably went to the doctor first or whatever. Anyway, so um, I get the surgery. I I don't even remember being hurt for very long, but I remember, like, getting out of my cast and, like, two days later (laughs) going back to the skate park. (laughs) So my parents saw how much I loved it despite having gone through that um and they encountered that for a number of years after that and they would always like wonder when i would like get over it or stop hurting myself or whatever um and um but they're really supportive now they're actually like huge fans of skateboarding and my mom recently would start like she starts talking to me about tricks now which is just I don't know. It's really funny to me. I mean, I know there are a lot of, like, skate parents out there now, but my parents were never that. They were like, okay, we're at the skate park. Get out of the car. Oh, we'll pick you up in a couple hours. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, which was great because I got to kind of explore on my own and and um, just follow my passion for my own sake. And, um, yeah.
1: No, that's a cool gift. My parents were the same. They both were athletes. so But they were like, you want to do sports? Ride your bike. Go for it. You can do whatever you want, you know, and we may or may not be at the event, at the meets or at the competitions, but if you want to do it, do it you know, and so i, I they took that they were like anti the anti soccer parent, you yeah. know which i'm I'm grateful for, you know
2: yeah, I mean, really all that mattered to my parents was that I was getting good grades, so I knew that that was a trade-off, like yeah, if I come home with straight As you're going to let me do what I want to do. <laughs> if I get all my homework done, I can keep skating. So that was kind of like um, my motivation to keep doing well in school. It's, it's funny, skateboarding has been like my motivation for everything in a way. And um, and so basically as much as they kind of, it took them years to like it, I think, just because they saw me like limping around most of the time or all scabbed up or bleeding or hippers. whatever. <laughs> yeah. So Permanent hippers. You know, they would kind of shake their head at me and, And, like, even my grandma would call, and she'd be like, oh, why is she doing that? Like, uh, in Polish, of course, but, you know, my whole family was kind of like, what are you doing? But you're doing well in school, and you clearly love this thing, so we're not going to take it away from you, (laughs) so.
1: Now, how, now, let's step back, though, because uh, I want to, you, I want to, I never asked you why, so you, you came here to New Jersey, not speaking a lick of English got submerged into schools at the age of eight, nine, ten. I Mm -hmm. think you said, I mean, how fast was this? I mean, you, you're like a, you're survivor. I mean, you are adapt, very adaptive. And, um, to be able to learn a language that rapidly and then just turn it around and to get great grades in school
2: is really, is awing. I think I came at a really good age, um, And, I mean, there are tons of studies that show that, you know, being bilingual or learning multiple languages at an early age is not only easier, but um, it also kind of helps light up different parts of your brain. So I think that helped a lot, you know, in terms of uh, me being able to learn faster in school. Um, And, I mean, the first day of school was awful. I just remember going. It was first grade, and all the parents were lined up, and the teacher was going around and I was trying to figure out what was going on and I realized okay she's asking about food and whether we're gonna buy food here or whether we brought it from home and I kind of memorized like the responses kids either said buying or from home and then and I'm like okay I brought my lunch I know I'm gonna say from home when she gets to me and like she comes up to me and she like knows that I don't speak English So she gets in my face, she changes her tone, and she rewords the question. So when I said, from home, it wasn't the right answer anymore. And (laughs) all the parents start laughing. I look, my mom is laughing, all the kids are laughing. And I'm like, that is not fair. She tricks me. I knew the answer. She just changed the question. So, But after that, I ended up. Uh, going to a school where they had a second language program. I only survived like two weeks at that school. Um, and there was a teacher that spoke Polish, and you know I was able to learn English um, a lot faster. So.
1: Oh, right. Okay, awesome. Because I was like, wow, that's some, that was crazy. But, I mean, still tough. To, I, I was raised, my mother's Belgian, as you know. I think I've told you, but I was raised speaking Flen- French and Flemish Ooh. and English. and But I hated it because she would translate when my friends would come over. She would speak to me in French or Flemish, and then she would translate in English, and which made me feel very different, and I didn't like that at all. So I and my sisters hate me because she stopped. She didn't do it with them. (laughs) They they, they're like you suck, Des. (laughs) Mom didn't teach us. You know, mom didn't. You know, but um, I'm grateful though because I still think, and I would imagine with all the Scandinavian countries, or not Scandinavian, pardon me, uh, um, Slovakian countries, Mm -hmm. that you. Understand or maybe in you know obviously you probably think in Polish when you hear any of those,
2: yeah, it's probably. always a it's always a transition to to think in Polish. It's either spending a while in Poland or like I've tried to read in Polish a little bit more um but I could definitely pick up on Slavic languages like uh Czech or even as far as Russian, like I can kind of understand mm-hmm. it, even though our alphabet's totally different um but yeah it's I mean. Polish isn't the most practical language, but it's the language of my family, so it's nice to, you know, to be able to communicate with them and to be able to do that. Because you know, I've known people in the past who've stopped speaking their native tongues and they, they can't talk to their grandmother anymore. You know, so
1: no, it's it's it it's a, it's a gift, I think, and languages, Absolutely. I think, is a gift, and especially with travel, um, you know, you have that. This at least I, I was raised with it, but I have the same thing of always wanting to speak or at least some words of whatever country I'm going to. I want to be able to communicate in respect to that country I'm visiting. Um, And I think that a lot of Americans don't feel that way. I think, uh, not all, but I think a lot of them go and travel and assume that everyone should speak English. It's funny that that I do that
2: now. (laughs) (laughs) Like I went to China and I was like, why can't anyone understand me? I speak English. (laughs) No. sign language uh i'm no. no, sorry to interrupt no no that's I'm how totally. Prague was like Prague
1: was <laughs> tough i was like this in Prague, is that sugar or salt you know we were in the grocery mm-hmm. store um but and i felt like probably every american well no but in china and i haven't been to china i have that's one continent i have not been to is asia
2: yeah because you, you can't even like communicate through body language <laughs> because it's just the culture is so different so it that was that was shocking <laughs>
1: All right. If you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Amelia Brodka. You can follow her on Instagram at the same handle uh, or on Twitter or on Facebook. Um, and also you can follow Exposure Skate, uh, which they you have, you have an event coming up in November and we'll get into that. I think it's seventh seventh uh, Exposure Skate event. Is that right? Do, yeah, is my brain working? <laughs> yeah, we're going
2: into our seventh event, which sounds crazy to me, but it's just been amazing to see the growth of it um, and the growth and support. But It'll be November third and fourth, a two-day event this year at the Encinitas Community Park. Right.
1: Yeah, and that's down in Encinitas, California. It's uh, at Poods Park. Yep. "Quote unquote." If you're from if you're from northern North County, San Diego. Right. Um, And we're going to get more. I want to share a little bit more about exposure, but I want to stay the focus on you for the moment. Um, I want to. um, You have an event coming up. Uh, Well. Actually, we're gonna. I'm like we're all over the place because Amelia's got so many amazing facets to herself. Um, Where am I gonna go with this? Let's let's stick. We're gonna stick with the chronological. Even though I can't speak today, Um, (laughs) is skating going back and skating vert after this injury? Right. um, Doing having good grades. You got scholarship to gold, Mm -hmm. and then a scholarship to USC.
2: Um, which yeah. is, it, it was funny Bravo. because, uh, my college counselor, at Gould at the time, Brooke Libby, um, was helping me kind of pick which colleges to apply to. And I kind of, I came in with this list of schools and it was basically based on, okay, they're all in Southern California <laughs> because I wanted to be there for skateboarding and they're all near skate parks. Like I'd already looked it all up and, um, because I actually had this conversation with my mom. I sat her down and I was like, "Mom, I think I'm just going to take a year off between high school and college and just skate." And she just looks at me super serious. And she's like, "Um, absolutely not. You're going to college right away." I'm like, "But mom, I just, you know, want to skate and compete and get better and focus on that." And then she's like, "Okay. Well, how are you going to afford living in Southern California? And I basically drew a blank. I'm like, well, that's a good point. Like, I had never lived on my own up until then. And um, she's like, it's ex- just the flight itself is really expensive, you know, and then you have to pay rent and you have to do this and you have to do that. And then you'll just be working all the time and you won't have time to skate. And then reality hit and I'm like, well, fine. I'll just get a scholarship to a school in Southern California and that's the way that I'll be able to move to Southern California. So it's basically all about skateboarding.
1: No, but the, the, what's so obviously, uh, they, you know, like your drive is it's stemming from skateboarding, but what you're able to do with that drive is is still is amazing. I mean, to to get into USC or any any university is big, uh, and to to go to school, but to get a scholarship to go to school is. Is another, I mean, that's it's tough, man. I mean, I'm it's it's awesome. I, I mean, it's just awesome, I think.
2: Yeah, and the acceptance rates are just getting more and more uh, intense, you know, it's just like a small percentage of people get in now. And,
1: and there's so much to gosh. do now with because I did all the citizen athlete packages for KUSI for oh, about right. five years, and it was I was odd. I mean, high school kids with. Four point nine and five point two grade point average. That were on the debate debate team, on the football team, on the soccer team, on you know building houses in Mexico. Uh, I mean, everything. All the extracurricular stuff has now become part of the curriculum. You know, right. if, you, if you even think you want to have a chance to get into yeah. a school, and that's not a scholarship. How did you? How did you get into? I mean, how did you get into a role? To I mean, do you have any guidelines to help out anyone oh out there?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I just did stuff I liked. I always tried to. Do the best that I can in school, and um, I really enjoyed school. Uh, I, I what else did I do in high school? I don't know. I was such a nerd. I was like started like some like gender identity club or something, gender equality club, and uh, you know, like in Harry Potter, you know how they have prefects. And, like, head boy and head girl uh-huh. I was basically, like, voted to be one of the head proctors at my high school. So that's, like, one of the head girls. So that probably helped. It was a surprise to me that anyone wanted me to be in charge of anything because I was kind of, like, this angsty skateboarder girl who is also a nerd. So I don't know. I just I just did what I liked and tried hard. I wish I had guidelines, but i just... Well, no, I mean, you, just you, you did it, you know, like,
1: uh, you know, that's what's so rad is you did it, you know, um, and driven by skateboard, by your board, essentially. Wanted a
2: skateboard. That's really the secret to life. Just, like, find what you really, really love and just do that, and it's going to take you places because, I mean, I, I basically... Um, everything I've done or any sort of those, like, successes or whatever that you've shared... It's all because I just really love skateboarding. That's that's the honest truth. So, it's follow your passion, I guess.
1: Okay, well, that's good advice for people. Um, and you too can have a cur- amazing career, right? <laughs> and be an amazing woman. Um, I I do want to. Um, I, I want to find my brain because I just dropped it on the <laughs> I just dropped it on the table right now. Um, you know, from you two to back-to-back scholarships to USC, coming to Southern California for the first time, um, I mean, this is within, from coming to the U.S., this is in about an eight, nine, ten-year span, from not speaking the language and not even getting on a skateboard to moving to skateboard and to go to school on a scholarship at the University of Southern California. And you get a... You get a B.A. in uh, communications and narrative studies.
2: Yeah, I um, actually used my Polish to test out of the language requirements for USC, so I had a little bit of wiggle room, and um, I thought I wanted to study neuroscience. It's what I applied for, but then realized that I didn't know what I would want to do with it, as fascinating as it was. Uh, so I ended up in communications, which was really it was great. It's really practical, and it... Um, really insightful and I love to write um, and narrative studies was kind of an extension of my love for literature and comparative light writing and um, you know I got to just read more um, Russian literature which I love so I was able to do to do a double major and uh, still kind of keep things pretty flexible and um, in the narrative studies major I was able to use the idea for Underexposed as my senior thesis. Okay. So I made that count for a couple of credits too, so. Um, now, in this film, you I mean, you directed, you filmed it as well. I filmed parts of it and um, edited most of it, and uh, Brian Lynch was a, was a partner on it, so he did a lot of the filming, probably mo- most of the filming, and um, some of the editing as well. Wow. Bravo. I mean, how...
1: From, you know, obviously, storyboards, I mean, this was your thesis, so this was, there's a lot of thought process. There's a, there's a lot of preparation involved in putting a documentary together anyways. Um, how did you, was this your first documentary that you did?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's really funny how it came about because at the time um, I was not only focused on school, but I was skating a lot. But there weren't really a lot of opportunities for women in skateboarding. And I was shooting a lot with this photographer, Julian Bleaker, and and also simultaneously taking classes about how gender is represented in the media. So I was kind of seeing this lack of female representation in in media in general or in sports media and lack of opportunities for women in skateboarding. And then I one of my major goals at the time was to do x games vert and i had been an alternate um and that was so awesome and it was it was kind of like right there like my big goal was like right on the cusp because at the time uh for a female skateboarder especially in transition that seemed like the biggest thing that you could do because you don't really see anyone getting even like legitimate sponsors especially not in transition for girls you know, even like Carabeth and Lindsay, um, who were at the top, were like, you know, the only way that they can kind of support themselves or pursue skateboarding was through all the major contests. So X Games was my big goal. I made it as an alternate. And then the following year, I made all my classes in the morning so that I could drive down to San Diego and skate for like a couple times a week. Wow. And, um, and I felt like, you know, I learned a bunch of tricks and put together a video and uh, gave it to Mimi Noop, who was um, organizing the events and doing all the invites. And I just remember when she approached me, and she said, "You know, your video was great. I could tell you learned a lot. Um, you're definitely on our list." But women's vert was canceled, and I'm just like, like my, like stomach like sank, because you you know you feel like you have this huge goal and you're working towards it. Um, and obviously I love skateboarding I'm going to keep doing it that's not why I skate but it's just like you have this aspiration to do something and then all of a sudden some someone tells you it doesn't exist like that you can't do that anymore so that was a huge blow and you know everything I was learning about um, female representation in the media um, was all working in my brain and I was just wondering like wait a minute Like, here's this girl, like Lizzie Armanto, she's, like, pushing the limits of women's skateboarding. Like, there are all these girls coming up right now, you know, like Alicia Bergato as well. And women's skateboarding was progressing. And there were more and more girls and women skating. And I'm like, why at this time would you, like, cancel this? And then, like, Dew Tour canceled their women's event. And, like, the Vance uh, pool party didn't have women that year. And I'm just like, why like why is all this happening at this time where there's clearly a growth of women and girls skating all over the world? and um I remember being in the car with Julian Bleeker, the photographer, who also saw this and was like, "No, there's like something's gonna happen like this is huge. you guys need to keep like skateboarding and you know he wanted to kind of create a book about female skateboarders and um you know kind of help showcase what we were doing, which was awesome. He was a super talented guy, and he just goes. No, and I go, yeah, someone should, like, make a documentary or something. And then he goes, why don't you make a documentary? And I just, like, kind of laughed at him. Like, I don't know how to operate a camera. I don't know how to make a documentary. Like, I'm just a college kid who likes to ride my skateboard. Like, You know, so I immediately dismissed it. And then um, I went back home to New Jersey with my parents that summer. And I just remember just being so furious about the whole thing. Um and just wanting to get get it out there and want, wanting to figure out what the people who were running the skate industry and making these decisions, what they were thinking and whether they saw what I was seeing, which was a growth in the amount and ability level of female skateboarders. And I was like, well, forget it. Like, I have an iPhone and like, I could film like my friends at skate and then like, I'll just... I'll just email people and, like, get interviews with them. And that somehow worked. Like, I literally just started, like, me and my iPhone that summer. And then um, when I went back to USC in the fall, I realized that you can, like, rent out cameras and equipment from um, the School of Communication. For free? Yeah. yeah. So I was was renting the equipment, and I'd, like, go film with Lizzie. Um, And then I would, like, just send random emails to, like, whether it was like Don Brown or people's emails who I found who were at ESPN or whatever, I just like sent out a bunch of emails like, Hey, I'm doing this project about women skateboarding. Can I interview you? You know, and people either said yes or no, or didn't respond. And, um, as I was doing this, I, um, I ended up like running into Brian Lynch just at a skate park and, uh, I'd seen like his skate park blog or whatever. And, uh, I noticed that he, his filming was really good and his editing was good. And I told him about my idea for the documentary and I kind of started filming. And um, he liked the concept. And uh, I told him one day, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go interview. I think it was Hunter Long because she was in town. I'm going to go film and interview Hunter Long. And he's like, oh, cool, maybe I'll just come by and like, see what you're doing. And I had my borrowed equipment. I was, like, trying to figure out how to use it. (laughs) I didn't have proper audio equipment, which, as you know, here in a studio, if audio is not good, people aren't going to listen. And a documentary is all about sharing a message, so people need to listen. Mm -hmm. So I didn't realize the importance of that at the time. But I was learning. And so, and Brian actually brought his whole, like, setup. So he actually helped film alongside me that day. And then, ever since then, he was just like, you know what? I believe in this project, like let's do it. And ever since then we were like this dream team of of really following through with the project and I uh had learned how to edit in the um in the edit basic c s exactly. Um and I don't know, it just I just remember a lot of like really late nights in between studying or skating. Command um, R, Command R. Mandar, yeah. Oh my God, Mandar. so much rendering. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I had like the oldest, crappiest MacBook, so I don't know how. <laughs> totally. It probably took way longer to render than it should have. <laughs> but I even remember staying like at school for Thanksgiving and just like spending the, being like, oh, great, it's Thanksgiving. Like, we don't have class. I'm just going to edit all day. <laughs> and like, seriously, I, I fell asleep like while I was editing and I woke up. And I was like, oh, I was going to go for the uh, Black Friday midnight skate session at Combi, but I just fell asleep like editing on my laptop in bed. Ugh. But um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And we ended up actually finishing it by the time I graduated. And um, yeah, it's a really long, drawn-out story, but
1: no, it's I had bad. no idea what
2: I was doing, and I figured it out as I went, and I just wanted that message to get out there. And it's crazy to think that it, that it did, you know, I just, I had a half-assed idea and no knowledge of how to implement it,
1: but. Well, and persistence, like you, I've always also been awed by your persistence and you are a go-getter, you just do it. You well, if you d- don't do it, like, no, but people, you just complain but about just, it not Just like people, <laughs> you know, we were saying earlier, people coming through with their word, it's not always the case, you know, but you do, and you, you offer so much inspiration by that. I think by your actions.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah. I definitely believe in follow through.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. And I, I as well. Now I have a, I've got a, we're going to, we're running out of time, but um, I do have a few things I wanted to share with you. And Please so do. I will. Um, and I've got them here. I've got them a bunch of places. Um, I've known Amelia for almost 10 years now and to watch her grow and do what she does for skateboarding, especially for women in skateboarding is quite spectacular. She is a great example for all and gives back tremendously to communities all over the world. She also is a ripping skateboarder. Thankful to know her. Neil Mims.
2: Aw, Neil, you're so sweet.
1: Um, I reached out to Mickey Vukovic as well. Uh, No one has done more to advance opportunities for women in skateboarding than Amelia Brodka. In her own career, she's taken the dim spotlight afforded to women skaters and has amplified and refocused it on the next generation. And the opportunities for them will continue to grow, thanks to Amelia, Amelia's ongoing work into 2020 and beyond.
2: Aw, thanks, Mickey. You're so sweet.
1: So yeah, and I uh, have one more. And usually, I like to integrate them into the show. And we're <laughs> going to get them all in clumps here because I want to make sure you hear um, what some peers and friends. Um, so, um, meeting someone like Amelia doesn't happen every day. She's one of the most genuine people. She cares. She's passionate. She rips. And being her friend makes me a better person. Very proud of all she's accomplished in life and skateboarding, motivating to say the least. Chad Foreman.
2: Oh, Chad.
1: So, now, um, anyways, I, I'm, we're like I said, we're running out of time. But I, I want to – you guys had a spectacular – you had one of the most spectacular proposals ever. Um, we have run out of time to play it, but what we're going to do is we are going to attach that to the end of the show. And so if people can listen to it because I think it's a really cool intro. Neil Hendricks sets it up, um, and it's a pretty spectacular thing. I am extremely grateful that I was at, had the opportunity to be at the AB Square wedding.
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming. And you captured the proposal really well uh, yourself, so thank you.
1: Oh, Oh, I, well, yeah, yeah on, on my iPhone. On, <laughs> on my <yeah>. iPhone. <laughs> no, it was cool to see. <laughs> yeah, On my iPhone, we all were. It was spectacular. It was really rad to be there and to <laughs> see that happen. Um, and, you know, and I was watching it and listening to it as well again, you know, a, a year, a little over a year later. And because this was May of 2017 mm-hmm. when this happened. Um, but, you know, and um, it just – it was – Really cool. Uh, I'm, it, was, it was. It's really cool to watch it again, you know, and to see that. I
2: mean, it was perfect. He couldn't have planned a, a you know better way to propose, and I'm just very lucky. He's a great man.
1: Yeah, well, and I think he's also very lucky, and I think he feels the same way. It's really cool. But, you know, they say people that – I was talking to Jen Lassick on my drive up. She gave me a call, and I was like, you know, what we have is – and what Aaron and I have and what her and Bucky have and a lot of couples have, but that we are able to sort of um, – Make each other better. We kind of are like my parents were like you guys kind of were diamonds in the rough, and we kind of helped make them shine more. Oh. And um, and I think that you know is also you guys also complement each other really well. It's it's really rad.
2: Yeah, I just I'm so incredibly grateful to have found my soulmate. So yeah, it's Great. a special
1: gift. Um, okay, and we have what? How much time do we have? Are we good? We're going. We're going. We're going. We're going. We have six minutes. Do we have what's going on? Oh, oh, that and was Siri. That my Siri was just gone. Uh, there's like a <laughs> ghost in this studio. We're in Studio D today. <laughs> what is going on? You have a big event coming up. We brought, we you know, and I, I hate to bunch jump around here, but I want to make sure we November 3rd and 4th in Encinitas, um, Exposure Skate's seventh annual event. Bravo. Um, there are so many tiers to Exposure Skate as well, with Skate Rising, with everything underneath it as well. Um, what is the best way people to follow on Instagram, perhaps, to stay up to date with what's going on if they want to to register, they want to compete, or they mm-hmm. want to come out and check it out, or be a sponsor, even?
2: Yeah, so Exposure Skate is a nonprofit empowering women and girls through skateboarding. Um, I co-founded it with Leslie Cohen, and the best way to follow what, what we're doing, whether it's... Clinics, adult clinics, our major event, November 3rd and 4th, follow at Exposure Skate on Instagram or go on ExposureSkate.org where you can see our upcoming uh, Skate Rising events, which is our youth program started by Cali Kelsey, or um, our upcoming just clinics. We're doing one at the TF uh, on August 25th. Um, and if you want to skate an Exposure, um, our major event on November 3rd and 4th, You can register online on our website, or if you want to sponsor the event, we're still looking for sponsorships. Um, If you have like, if you make cool jewelry or have a business or anything like that, and want to um, get a vendor booth in our vendor village, um, you can find all the info on how to do that on our website, ExposureSkate.org. Okay, cool. Yeah, and it's it's a super
1: rad venue. The skate park is set up so perfectly to have an event like this. I think. Um, and it's, it's awesome to see so many people ripping and so many people out supporting these girls that are ripping, which is kind of cool too.
2: Yeah, we had 166 girls from 15 different countries come out last year, which wow. is insane because at the first exposure event in 2012, we had 34 girls from the U.S. So it's, uh, it's been amazing to see the growth and see the progression in, in the skating. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Bravo. Bravo on doing that. And uh, also, and good luck, You've, you're going to be flying overseas here pretty soon to do the uh, Vans Park series and the uh, Colonial.
2: Continental.
1: Or, Continental. Yeah, no way. And I wanted to ask, I mean, I. We've got three minutes, right? we got three minutes, okay. <laughs> um, you're skating in Continental and in the Park Series. That One yeah. is a pro, one is the Continental. They are both qualifiers to get in. I kind of I looked because I was like, what is the difference actually? Yeah,
2: so basically um, the Continental is just based on each individual continent. So for me, I'm representing Poland, so I'll be skating in the European Continental Contest. And basically the winner from every Continental is Gets to go in the world championship at the end of the year in China, and the global is kind of um, just the best pros from all over the world, um, and that's kind of the the pro contest with the with the prize purse. Um, whereas the continental the continental is just representing your continent, your continent, but the global is a higher tier, so it'll be but in, in time of- it'll be worth more points or whatever. But the top uh, five scores from the continental, I mean, sorry, the top five scores from the global events um, also make it to the world championships.
1: Okay. And this is all s- s- the process for the Olympics. Right, as well. right.
2: So they're kind of s- establishing the, the pathway to Tokyo 2020. So, And uh, Amelia also is a big candidate as well. Um, yeah, I've been working with the Polish Olympic team this year and, um, that's been really great just to see the growth of skateboarding in Poland and to see the fact that they can now apply for support from the government to, to be able to support their skaters and to be able to travel with the team. So I'm really looking forward to going out to Malmo and I'll go out to Poland as well. do some contests and hang out with the team. So it should be really fun.
1: Right. All right, well, you guys, thank, Amelia, thank you so much for making the time and thank the energy guys. to get up here. I really appreciate it. You're an awesome woman. Uh, make sure to follow Amelia at Amelia Brodka um, on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, uh, or Exposure Skate as well for the events coming up. And thanks, Adita, for running the boards for us today. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in. This is The Desiree Show, and as promised, I'm going to leave you with that amazing proposal from Alec Beck to Amelia during the Vans Combi. And I'm out. Have a dynamite week.
0: ...faces you'll see in the future of women's skateboarding. All right, Scott, we are going to grab Amelia Brodka right now. Nice. Let's bring Amelia down. Yeah. um, Amelia has done so much for women's skateboarding over the last few years. Did a really cool documentary about women's skateboarding. Tell us about the state of female skateboarding right now.
2: It is so amazing to see the level of progression and the amount of change that has happened in women's skateboarding just in the past few years. I mean, since the documentary came out, it's just, it's almost strange to watch it because so much has changed. There's so many more opportunities, there's so many more girls skating, skating at a really high level. There are girls like Jordan, you know, and Zoe, and they're just blowing up and they're getting really, really good.
0: I know that you always tell me, just from being one of the leaders of the female skateboarding movement, you're always being contacted from girls around the world, from the Middle East, from Africa. Where do you see women's skateboarding going in the next few years?
2: Oh my gosh, it's gonna be really exciting. There's gonna be, I think, events all over the world and uh, girls and women really coming up from the woodwork from all over the place. I mean, in uh, Combi Classic this year, seeing some of those younger girls from Japan like that no one's ever heard of and they're doing nose blunts on the peninsula and it's just blowing everyone away. So I think we're definitely gonna see a lot more of that.
0: All right, let's bring it back to the Combi pool. You've spent a ton of time here. You've skated the women's contest here every year. What do you think about the event today?
2: Oh, it's so phenomenal to see. Just seeing at the level every year, it blows my mind, and still my mind continues to be blown. And I'm just excited to see, hopefully, Clay Kreiner transfer that thing today.
0: So I heard a rumor. Is it true that you met your boyfriend Alec here at the Combi Pool?
2: Yes, I did. Actually, he was standing right there, and I was standing right there, and our eyes met across the shallow end.
0: So the Combi Pool is like really special to you.
2: He actually made this necklace out of these tiles. So.
0: Is he here today?
2: Yeah, he's here. He's right.
0: Oh. I see him over there. there he is. <laughs> oh, he Hi, Alec. <laughs> How cute! A little Combi, Bull romance. Alec and Amelia.
2: We, we actually celebrate our uh, anniversary. The day we met at Vans, we come here every really? year.
0: What? What's the anniversary?
2: It's November 20th.
0: So sweet. <laughs> Alec, why don't you come over and talk to us? We'll interview Alec next. we got a special guest with a special gift for you guys custom vans for the day all right we're gonna go to commercial 10 minutes warm-up for legends finals congratulations how about a hand for Alec and Amelia we're gonna go to commercial back in a few minutes